Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 18th of October 2015, entitled A New Leaf or a New Life. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 11, verses 14 to 28. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 14. Speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, it said, And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges." But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoils. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. When he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. It came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Father, we thank you again this evening for your word. Your word, Lord, that was penned and that has been preserved for us down through the centuries, we thank you, Lord, for your spirit that lives and dwells within. So, Father, we pray now that you would please, Lord, give to us that we need here this evening. Speak to our hearts. We give you all the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name, amen and amen. A couple of things as we begin to look into this passage this evening. Of course, we live in a day when many times that Bible truths have been taken, they've been changed, where they're no longer truths. Bible truths have been taken and they have been abused, where people are kind of afraid of them. And I want to remind you, first of all, this evening that though it may not be a subject that we often preach on, that we have an enemy. And he has a host that works with him. And his desire is to destroy, to destroy, 
and to destroy for all of eternity. We find that as we look here this evening, I really want us to look at this passage. And as in most cases, there are a lot of truths we could pull out of this short passage of Scripture. And I want us to think on this thought for just the next few moments this evening. A new leaf or a new life. A new leaf or a new life. There was a preacher friend of mine that one time said, you can turn over a new leaf, but if your hands are still dirty, you'll get that leaf dirty too. I would go even further to add to that, that eventually that leaf will fall to the ground. We find that as we look here this evening, we find the scripture is giving to us an actual act that Jesus himself was involved in when he himself was casting out devils, demons, unclean spirits. There are different names that we, that we call them by, but I would simply remind you that when Satan was kicked out of heaven, that he took a third of the host of the angels. The Bible teaches us very clearly that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness. We have a spiritual battle upon our hands. What we need to recognize sometimes is that you know, we might take on a lot of these fleshly battles ourselves. And especially sometimes it may make us feel like more of a person or for you men more manly to be able to, to take on these battles and to hopefully win with them. We find, I believe, that the Scripture is showing us something very, very, very briefly. In the first instance, we have Jesus himself that is casting a devil, a demon, one of these hosts. Keep, keep this truth in mind. Our God, he is omniscient. That means he knows everything. He knows every thought that you have. He knows everything everywhere. Nothing ever catches him by surprise. Our God is omnipotent. He has all the power. He holds all the power. There is never, ever, under any circumstance, anything that is too big or impossible with God. Our God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's here, and he's at the farthest side of the globe. He's in your heart, in my heart, in our lives. But may I remind you, that is our God. Our enemy, Satan, is none of those things. He is a powerful foe. And he does have a host of fallen angels that help him, whether you want to call them unclean spirits or devils or demons or whatever that you might prefer to refer to them. There is an enemy that is out there, but he doesn't have the same knowledge, the same power, the same presence that our God does. Here... Jesus himself has cast one of these devils out of somebody. But then those around are trying to look for another reason. They're saying that he's doing this by the power of Satan, that he's doing this for ulterior motives. They're asking him to prove that he is who he is by other signs from heaven. And it's Jesus that gives us this account. And he gives us a few basic principles that... You know, any kingdom that is divided against itself won't stand. Any house that is divided against itself won't stand. Any body that's divided against himself will not stand. 
So if I'm doing this by the power of the devil and casting out devils, you know, how is the devil going to seed in that case? But he goes on to give us a wonderful illustration here because, again, he makes it very, very clear there is only two sides here. Everybody, everywhere, every human being that ever has been and ever will be is either with God or against God. He is either on the side of God himself or the side of Satan. Some people say, well, I'm not siding with Satan just because that I'm not living for God. Well, God says you are. He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth. There's only two sides. We talked this morning about choices that we make in life and the consequences of those choices. Well, I'm going to say to you again this evening that you will have to make some choices here tonight. And one of those choices is whose side are you on? Many people have these great intentions. And probably when our calendar flips and a new year begins, it's often a very common thing for people to want to turn over a new leaf, to make resolutions. They have great intentions. They're going to do this. And some people recognize in their life that maybe they want to turn over a new leaf. Well, I think that as we begin to look at these verses, we can see that Jesus is showing us very clearly that here is an individual that wants to clean up his own act. He wants to do better. He wants to turn over a new leaf. But I want you to understand this evening with all your intentions in the world, it's not turning over a new leaf that you need. You need a new life that can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we find that as we look at this passage here, the point is that this one was cleaned up, but what we will find is that he was trying to clean his own house rather than letting the Lord do that. In verse 14, Jesus was casting out these devils. That means literally ejecting them, expelling them, driving them away. At the power of Jesus Christ, they could not stay. But then as we look down into verse 24, we're going to take our main thoughts this evening from verses 24 to 26 here. I want you to notice, first of all, a reformation of a person, a turning over of a new leaf, a person that genuinely wants to do better and cleans up his act. The Bible tells us here in verse 24, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. This evil spirit that is within this person, you say, preacher, can there be evil spirits within me? Well, I would say let's wait and answer that question at the end of what we look at here. The Bible speaks here of this unclean spirit. An unclean spirit. The word speaks of something that is lewd, that is impure, that is, that is demonic. The word unclean spirit here is another word for the devils that was used up in verse 14. We find that he talks of this unclean spirit that here has gone out of this individual 
And this unclean spirit is, he says here, walking through dry places. Now that's a term that's used in other places in the scripture. We find that the Bible tells us, speaking of Satan himself, of walking to and fro, up and down in the earth. The Bible tells us that he is like a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom that he may devour. Well, here, it is this unclean spirit, this minion, this worker, because remember, it's vital to remember, Satan is only one but he does have helpers. Satan can only be in one place at one time. So many times we give the devil a lot of credit that is really not due to him. You see, his influence is upon our lives, this old carnal flesh that we live within. Oh, yes, that is the influences. It was Satan that tempted him and, and, and brought sin into this world in the first place, but he's in one place at a time. Can one of his minions be in your life? Well, According to Scripture, yes, there's a third of the angelic hosts that are the unclean spirits. This one here has gone out of an individual, and he is walking around in these dry places. That's a negative word, a, a, a waterless place, a dry place, a place that, that has no good in it whatsoever. Seeking, desiring is the same word that in Romans chapter 3, when we find that the Bible gives us this very clear description of a lost person. In verse 11 of that chapter, he talks about that there is none that seeketh after God. None are seeking, trying to find God. We find that this one here is walking about seeking, seeking rest. Seeking rest. This unclean spirit is walking about seeking rest. Well, may I say to you this evening... We may find these temporary artificial moments of things that we call rest, but the only true rest that is available is only going to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about this passage last, uh, last Sunday evening, I think it was, in the, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. And again, it's a very familiar passage, a tremendous, tremendous promise to us. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus is the only one that can give you that rest. This unclean spirit was walking up and down to and through in this dry place, a place that without, because we know that, again, that this man wanted, to look in Luke chapter 8, verse 35, what happened to this one that had had an unclean spirit taken out of him. In Luke chapter 8, verse 35, then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed. And I want you to notice his position. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind, they were afraid. This didn't make sense to them. Here was this, this one that, 
They'd known was totally, he was a maniac. He was literally controlled. He, he tried to destroy himself and he sat naked in the, in, in the cemetery. And yet, when Jesus had cast this spirit out of him, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. May I say to you that during a reformation, a turning over a new leaf of an individual he may have all the best intentions in the world, but just like this unclean spirit, he'll never find rest. But when Jesus comes in, that's when he'll have find that rest. And his desire is going to be there with Jesus at the feet of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 4, we find in verses 13 and 14. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 tell us this. And Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Oh, you can walk about and search in this world just as this unclean spirit. You'll never find rest. It'll be a dry place because Jesus is the only one that can satisfy that thirst that is there. We see the reality of this. But here in verse 24 of our reading, this man here, he's tried to turn over a new leaf. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest. He's been reformed, but he's not been regenerated. He may even have a new attitude towards sin that he wants to get some of these things out of his life, but he's never sought forgiveness for those sins. He maybe is trying to develop a new lifestyle that will be better than the person that he's been, but he needs a new life, not just a new lifestyle. In this instance, Satan's maybe just quietening down for a while, <laughs> lying low. Because he knows, he knows that eventually, if this man tries to turn over that new leaf on his own, Satan knows that he'll get him back. So you find this reformation. You find a man here that the unclean spirit had gone out of, and we find this spirit walking up and down through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. But then he says something. He says, I will return unto my house... Whence I came out, this unclean spirit has left. This person has tried to clean up their act. We had this reformation by the individual, but now I want you to notice that we have the return of the enemy. I will return. Now we know. How could he return? Well, the Bible tells us in John chapter 4, or 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When Jesus Christ is truly in our lives, and we need not fear any of these things. There are people that literally, as Christians, they fear some kind of demonic attack. But I'm saying to you this evening that if you've got Jesus Christ, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We find that uh, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, Again, the scriptures are, are very clear, as they always are, if we will allow them to be. In Romans chapter 8, 
Verse 9, he says, but ye are not in the flesh, speaking to the Christians here. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. You're in the Spirit, if so be, that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Who is claiming this house? The unclean spirit is claiming this house. I will return unto my house whence I came out. We find that it's this one, this worker of Satan, this worker of evil, this lewd, unclean spirit that is laying claims to this being his house. And of course, speaking of the human body as the dwelling place there that is the house, and that's very, very important you see, so many times we forget it is this that is also the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides within us as a child of God. If you have not the Spirit of God, then you are not of God. It is that simple. I have people that I hear, and, and you know, I, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, and if they're not my brothers and sisters in Christ, I still love them and wish they would become my brothers and sisters in Christ. But the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit is not like this glass of water that you can have a little bit of or you can have a whole lot of. He is a person. He is God. He, when you become a child of God, dwells in you. What I want you to see here, this house... This one that this evil spirit came out of, this evil spirit, even though this man had tried to reform his life and turn over a new leaf, this evil spirit was able to return and dwell in that house because that one that's greater than him was not living there. He did not have a residence in that person. We find that he findeth it swept and garnished. It had been cleaned up. It even been decorated. Maybe some nice things hung on the wall. Literally, that's what this means. This evil spirit came back and he found out, hey, this guy's been trying to clean up his act. You know, I mean, you know, the whole list. Maybe he's gone through a whole whole list of things, you know, that these sins in his life that he'd quit doing this and he'd quit doing that and he'd stop doing this and he'd quit going there. And he's gone down the checklist and he's done all these things that he knows those things are wrong. He's done some cleaning. He's making things look fresher. We find that in all probability, he was very genuine in what he was doing. He was trying to turn over a new leaf. He was trying to clean up his act. This evil spirit was gone out of him. Things had been cleaned up. He was doing better. But you find that the Scripture makes it very clear. He, when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. <laughs> Satan knows whether you're truly saved or not. Satan knows. So we find that this one here, he had tried to reform his own life, turn over a new leaf, but then we, refine, we find the return of the enemy. But I want you to notice thirdly, in the next verse, in verse 26, the reinforcement by the enemy. <laughs> he's coming back, but he's not just coming back on his own this time. Notice it says, 
Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Then goeth he and taketh him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Hey, He's already an evil spirit. He's already a demonic force. And yet we find here he's found some that are worse than him. When he returns to this individual that's tried to clean up his act, the Bible says that he's returning with reinforcements. He's going with seven others, and they enter in and dwell there. You see, not only is there the reinforcements of when he comes back, I want to tell you something. You need to realize Satan wants you destroyed. You have a real enemy. If you're here tonight, I want you to grasp and understand a very simple truth that you can be as genuine and sincere as you want to, to clean up your act, to live a new life, to do things better than you've done before. But I want you to understand that you are at the mercy of the enemy if you do not have Jesus Christ in your life. He wants you to think you're okay. He wants you to think you're secure. He wants you to think that you can do it yourself. We find that... <laughs> The enemy comes back here stronger than ever. But I want you to notice something. Not only that reinforcement of the enemy, but the reestablishment. Do you notice the word? Words mean something in God's word. Every word means something. He says here that, and they enter in and dwell there. That's a totally different word than when he was in him originally. Now he's come to dwell there. In other words, he's come to settle down and to take up permanent residence. We find that it's the same word that is used for the Christian in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 that says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's God dwelling in you. God having a permanent residence in you. In this case here, make no mistakes. That's exactly what the God is showing us about this individual that was controlled by unclean spirits. And he tried to clean up his act, and that spirit even went out of him. But he tried to clean up his act and turn over a new leaf himself. But that spirit returned, and he returned with help, with reinforcements, more powerful than ever. But when he comes back, he reestablishes himself, this time permanently in this individual. You find that when we begin to understand, I really couldn't even begin. Matter of fact, it's hard for me to even get my mind around it a lot of times, and I'm, I'm not a young man anymore. And I've studied these things, and it's so tremendous. I could never explain to you 
God's love or God's grace or God's mercy, I could never, ever be able to find the words to truly explain what those things are. As we look at this passage here this evening, I want you to understand it is not God's will that any should perish. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. It's not God's will for you to perish. But Satan wants you to perish for all of eternity. And he will pull the wool over your eyes. He'll turn out the lights. He'll do everything he can. You may think, well, I'll turn over a new leaf and I'll get this thing sorted out in my life and I'll, I'll get this right before I leave this world. Well, you don't know when you're leaving this world. And the Bible says that no man cometh unless he is drawn. Jesus said nobody could come to him unless the Father draws him. The Father draws him through the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes we think we can just have God on our terms whenever we want, however we want. May I say to you that according to the Scripture, if the Holy Spirit is not present and convicting you of that sin, you'll have no desire for God whatsoever. Your flesh will never have a desire for God. If by God's grace he's allowed his Holy Spirit to convict you and to show you this, then you need to respond. You see, I don't like a lot of this mess that goes about today where that people see demons under every stone and they want to blame something on this one and blame something on that one. But what I want you to understand is you've got a powerful enemy out there that wants to destroy you. And if you think that you've got a chance of standing against him yourself, you are sadly mistaken. It's impossible. And that enemy wants to destroy you. We find that in this case here, this one had clearly had clearly decided to do this thing himself. But we find that in this case, Jesus is telling this account that when this unclean spirit returned, he returned with more than ever. Why did he turn around and say, and the last state of that man is worse than the first? He's in worse shape now than he was in the beginning. Why? Maybe because he's made light of the opportunities that God gave him. Maybe because he hasn't realized that he himself cannot ever clean up his act enough, that the longer he allows the enemy there, the more danger that he is going to be in. Back in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, you see so many times, just as we talked this morning, we just want to put it off. We just want to put it off. In Romans chapter 6, Verse 23 and 24, this is pretty strong stuff. Again, Jesus speaking says, But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus said, you got to choose. You can't straddle the fence. You see, today, may I say to you that even in our quote-unquote evangelical soul-winning churches, 
that there's maybe too much soul winning without soul saving. <laughs> too much trying to get a little prayer, trying to get a little confession, trying to get a little this, but there is no repentance. Do you recall who Jesus is speaking to in this passage as we read early in that reading? In verse 15, these were trying to, they were blaspheming. They were trying to credit the work of Jesus to the work of the devil. He was speaking to the brazen, others that were tempting him, saying, you know, give us a sign from heaven if this is really you that's doing this. In verse 9, he talks about the children, those that so many times, even Christians can be ignorant of scriptures, ignorant of biblical principles. We find that there are those that if they weren't gathering, they were scattering. <laughs> I want you to understand, Jesus is talking to everyone here. Jesus is talking to the whole crowd, to all of them. Jesus is giving them a very real story that they need to consider. This is real. This is not some movie that you watch on a screen somewhere. This is real life. This is real life recorded and preserved in God's Word. We find an individual that tries to reform his own life, tries to turn over that new leaf, we find that in doing so, that enemy that had departed in the first place, he returns. And he returns with reinforcements. And he reestablishes himself this time forever, permanent. You know, you cannot put God off until it suits you, until it's your terms. I just want to ask you this evening a very, very, very simple question. Do you want to be evil? Do you like the idea of being a sinner? Do you like the idea of being God's enemy? You say, I'm not asking that. I'm asking you, whose side are you on? Do you want to be with God? Or do you want to be with Satan? Folks, there is no in-between. You have to be on one or the other. He says there's not an in-between. You're either for or you're against. Do you want to stand against God this evening? God is for you. God loved you so much that he died on a cross for you, that your sins could be forgiven. He wants to come and dwell in you. And when he is there, you have absolutely no fear whatsoever. I do not believe that a devil, that an unclean spirit can move in and reside in the same place that Jesus Christ is residing. But without him, you're walking on thin ice. I would ask you this evening, not if you've just decided you want to do better and you want to live better and you want to turn over a new leaf and, you know, you really don't want to be a bad person. But the thing is, with all of that, have you ever switched sides? Have you ever repented? You see, repentance is about changing directions. 
you begin to agree with God about your sin. You see your sin as God sees your sin. Repentance is not about just feeling bad in your heart because you did it. Repentance is about turning your back on it and turning to Jesus instead. Matthew chapter 21, verse 32. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. You see, some people want to say, oh, I believe it, but they want it without repentance. They don't want to have to agree with God about their own sinfulness. They don't want to have to change directions with their life. This evening, there's only one way. There is only one way that you can be safe in this battle. That is to turn your back on the devil and the forces of hell. Turn to Jesus Christ. We have read this passage so many times, and for those of you that go out with us, when we go out on soul winning, when we go out on the streets, when we go out on the doors, one of the most common passages used because it's so simple and it's so clear God's Word says in Romans chapter 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He goes on in verse for whosoever, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is a heart condition. It is a heart matter. You can try to clean up the outside all that you want. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He arose again the third day. And the only way that your sins can be taken care of, that they can be forgiven, is through his atoning sacrifice. This evening, whose side are you on? I don't say that to be mean. I'm saying you better realize that you're playing with eternity Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give his life for you, for you this evening. If you want to try to clean up your own act, you know, <laughs> I, applaud you. I, I applaud anybody that wants to live a better life, that wants to do better. But you're not strong enough to take on the enemy that is wanting to destroy you for all of eternity. Don't play games with your life. Don't play games with God. Don't play games with eternity. Because without Jesus Christ, without his dwelling in your life, there is no hope. So this evening, this evening as I read this passage and I looked over it and I thought, you know, <laughs> I realize there's a lot of abuse and false mess going on about demons and devils and things like this. But, you know, so many times in putting it aside, we forget that it's real. There are forces out there that want to destroy you, that want to keep you from being saved, from being a child of God this evening. I want you just to grasp and understand Jesus told about this one. 
He did try to turn over a new leaf, but what he really needed was a new life. God doesn't want you just to turn over a new leaf this evening. He wants you just like you are to humble yourself and admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you can't do it. Admit that Jesus Christ is your only hope or you have no hope. This is not a matter of religion. It's not a matter of doing better. It's not a matter of, of going down the checklist. It's a matter of putting your faith and trust for all of your eternity in Jesus Christ in a person that what he did when he died to pay for your sins was sufficient. And that's what you're trusting in. I've said this many times, and I'll say it again this evening. If it takes anything, anything more, than what Jesus Christ did for me when he died on the cross, when he shed his blood, when he rose again the third day, if it takes anything more than that for me to be saved and go to heaven, I will split hell wide open because that's all I have. That's my only hope. That's where all my faith lies in the finished work of Calvary in what Jesus Christ did. I don't have any other hope. I can never live good enough. I can never turn over enough new leaves. I can never accomplish enough good things. Jesus Christ accomplished it for you. Don't throw away your eternity. Don't let the enemy win. Maybe you've turned over a new leaf right now, but without Jesus Christ, without him dwelling in you, without the Holy Spirit taking up that permanent residence there within you. You can't fight off the enemy. Don't play games with him. This evening, Jesus is waiting. We sing that song sometimes, there's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. You see, I know that there's still room this evening because Jesus hasn't come back for us yet. When that last one gets in, the trumpet will sound. We will see Jesus come and call us unto himself. But that hasn't happened yet. And as that hasn't taken place yet, I know that right now there's still room for another one. This evening, by God's grace, maybe that's you this evening. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord, that we can have that confidence of knowing that what Jesus Christ did was sufficient. Now, Lord, I could question because we know that, Lord, I guess the subject of devils and demons and evil spirits is not something that we speak on a lot of times. But, Lord, we need to recognize and realize that we have a formidable enemy. And within ourselves, we are not strong enough to take on that enemy. We cannot defend ourselves against that enemy with all the best intentions in the world. But we fully realize that with Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need. We need not fear that enemy. We need to stand against that enemy, not in our strength, but in your strength. Now, Lord, I pray earnestly from my heart this evening. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that anyone present here this evening that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that this would be the time that they would realize they can't do it themselves. 
They can keep trying to clean up their own house, but what they need is for you to take up residence. They need you to come into their life. I pray that you would help them this day to humble themselves as sinners, to repent, to turn from their sins, to turn from this world, and to turn to you. And Lord, in their hearts believing, seek that forgiveness that can only come because they believe that what Jesus Christ accomplished for them was sufficient. He finished the work. He did it all. And I pray this evening, Lord, that you would work in those hearts and help them. And for each and every one of us as believers that are here this evening, please help us to be reminded. We are in a spiritual battle. And everybody that we meet today, tomorrow, the next day, they are on one side or the other of this battle. Lord, help us to be conscious. Lord, help us to allow you to be seen in our lives. Help us to take every opportunity we possibly can to share Jesus Christ with those we come into contact with. We give you all the praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen.